Uh, but in here in Luke chapter 9, you know, I was thinking about it being graduate Sunday. And I'm going to let you, let me just, let me pull back the veil a little bit here for you, okay, on, on what happens when Pastor Matt sits down to write a sermon, and, and I've been praying about it and working on it. And, uh, and, and the process is, is, is not, I don't just get to sit down Saturday night and say, okay, God, just move the hand for the next 30 minutes. That's not how it works. Uh, there are days and days and days that go into this uh, sort of uh, preparation and, and prayerful consideration. And, and I don't know if you know this or not, but I don't, I don't, I don't usually present anything to you that God has not already convicted me of personally. You need to know that up front. So when I preach to you, you've ever heard, how many of you have ever heard practice what you preach? You heard that? Okay, well, God really strikes me at the heart. Before I ever even say it to you, I've already had to come to my own altar to really kind of confess my sins for the things that I tell you. So I want you to know that up front. So I sat down and I was praying to God about this graduate Sunday, and I got to thinking about, you know, as kids go through school, they sort of face different challenges, don't they? Uh, kids that are in kindergarten face different challenges than fifth graders, for example. And fifth graders would face different challenges than those in high school, for example. And high schoolers face a little different challenge than college-age kids, right? That's how that works. So as you, as you grow older, you kind of gain knowledge and you, go, and you move along and, and the level kind of increases. And I thought, Christianity is a lot like that. Christianity is a lot like that. When you're a baby Christian, there are certain things that you learn and you study and you, and you understand. And then as you kind of get up on into your, your spiritual years, you kind of understand a little more and, and God challenges you in a different way. Or church, let me say this. God should be challenging you in a different way, all right? He is, if, if you are a child of God, if you are a Christian, a Christ follower, he's challenging you. Now, whether or not you're listening, I don't know, but he's challenging you. And so on and so on and so forth. So I said, what I want to do is, uh, you know, I was praying about it, and God was kind of revealing this, that, that, I, that I really need to sit down and write the different ages of Christianity and how we kind of look at that. And so I sat down and began to write and began to write and continue to write. And I thought, wow, if I preach this whole sermon, we're going to be here for five hours. Is anybody in favor of staying the next five hours? Ouch. All right. Well, neither is my wife, okay, because she's planning on going on vacation at some point this, today. So uh, we're looking forward to that. But, but, but as I sat down, I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to have to spread this out. So for the next few Sundays, we're going to be talking about this. And I think it's so important. It's so important. Uh, open your Bibles there to Luke chapter 9, and, and right before we begin to read, you know, I was thinking today we're going to talk about kindergarten, kindergarten. As the kindergarten class settled down to their coloring books, because that's what kindergartners like to do, they like to color. As they settled down to their coloring books, one little boy went up to the teacher and said, I ain't got no crayons, miss. No, Ricky, said the teacher. What you mean is, I don't have any crayons. You don't have any crayons. We don't have any crayons. They don't have any crayons. Do you see what I'm getting at here? Yes, ma'am, said the boy. You're saying someone stole all them crayons. <laughs> it's so simple for a youth, for a kid. Didn't quite catch on to it. But you know, with kindergartners, we don't expect them to explain trigonometry to us, do we? We don't usually go up to a kindergartner and say, hey, listen, I need you to explain Pythagorean's theorem to me. We don't do that. We don't even really expect kindergartners to get multiplication tables. Sometimes not even basic addition. I don't know, but we don't expect those kind of things out of kids so young, do we? Yet there are some Christians, myself included at times, 
that expect kindergarten Christians, Christians that are still babies in their spirituality, to be able to grasp concepts that Christians who have been Christians for 40 years are battling with. Is that fair? No, church, that's not fair. That's not fair at all. So here in Luke chapter 9, I want you to come down to verse number 18. And let's see what, uh, let's see what happens here. Luke chapter 9, verse 18. It says, And it came to pass, as he was alone praying, his disciples were there with him. Now we're talking about Jesus. And he asked them, saying, Whom say the people that I am? So Jesus is asking his disciples, Who are people, when you talk to people, who are they saying I am? Verse 19. Then answering said, John the Baptist, Some say Elijah, and others say that one of the old prophets is risen again. So he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Who do you think I am? Peter answering said, The Christ of God. Verse 21. And he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. What's that next word? What was that? Daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. And for what is a man advantage if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed. When he shall come in his own glory and his fathers and of the holy angels. Wow. How many of you want Jesus to be ashamed of you in front of God? Nobody? Interesting. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that you are a loving God, that you are a forgiving God. God, thank you for writing this sermon for me, Lord. Thank you for showing me that the, my idea of what a sermon should look like and, and what needs to be delivered. Thank you for flipping it up on its head and saying, no, Matt, this is what I want you to say. Thank you for that, Lord. I'm humbled by it. I'm speaking your words today, Lord. Speak to hearts. Pierce them. Speak to minds. Mold them. Speak to lives. Change them, Lord. We'll love and praise you for it. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of taking a look at young Christians and saying, I can't believe you have not gotten this concept yet. I don't know if anybody else is guilty of that. I'm guilty of that. I do that. I do that. We have to remember that babies aren't born running, are they? they got to learn to walk before they can run, and before they can even walk, what do they got to do? And before they even crawl, what do they got to do? Yeah, well, we're anything. Really, roll over. We need tummy time, church. That's what we need. We need spiritual tummy time. That's what we need. So kindergartners, kindergartners, that, these, these Christians that are just new in the faith, as you look at verse 20 there, look what it says. He said unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Peter answering said, the Christ of God. The Christ of God. That's important. I want you to remember that. Then I want you to hop down here to verse number 23. And he said to them, all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross. What was that word again? Daily. Daily. And follow me. You know, we hear that verse and we think, yeah, we got to follow after God daily. Amen. That's not going to fly this morning, church. We're supposed to follow after Jesus Christ every single day. Amen? Amen? That would start with a first day, would it not? There has to be a first day. 
My question to you to start with this morning is, do you even have a first day? Do you even have a first day? Pastor Matt, what's a first day? A first day is when you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. According to Romans chapter 10, that is our first day. That makes you a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ. Do you have a first day? If you have a first day, you are working on graduating kindergarten. That's what we're looking at this morning. Graduating Christianity in kindergarten here. Now, I want you to see the first thing that we need to, to look at is in verse number 20, things that you would learn in kindergarten. Verse 20, he said to them, but whom say ye that I am? Peter answering said, the Christ, <laughs> the Christ. Just stop right there for a second. The Christ, the Messiah. How many of you could confess that Jesus Christ is the Messiah? The Christ of God. I love that. What do we learn in kindergarten? The first thing we learn, I got to thinking about this. What are some things we learn in kindergarten? We learn your left and your right. Amen? Nobody in here learned their left and their rights. Okay, I see that. I see that now. You learn your left and your right. I kind of said, well, what does that look like in Christianity? Well, it looks like confessing your sin. Say, Pastor Matt, that doesn't make any sense. Well, when you learn your left and your right, you learn which one's which, right? There's one that's left, there's one that's right. Is that correct? Okay, now we're really going to have to step it up our game today. I'm talking about our left hand and our right hand. What are you going to do when I get to some real stuff here? Our left and our right. You know, confessing your sins means acknowledging that there is right and there is wrong. Amen? That there are some things in this world, church, that are just plain wrong. No matter how you get around it. Now listen, you hear me talk a lot about the love of Jesus Christ, and he is such a loving Christ. You hear me talk about how much God loves you, and he certainly does. But did you know that God is a just God? God is a just God. He has standards. The reason we need a Savior is because we can't even meet those standards, church. So the first thing we need to acknowledge is that there are standards that we just can't meet, that there is black and white, that there is right and wrong. That is so, church, do you believe that's important? It's very important. Now, I assume every, I'm hoping that most people in here can do their left and their rights, okay? Does anybody, I love this. I like this picture. Does anybody still do this when you look for your left? I don't wonder if anybody does. No one is, everyone's ashamed to admit it. I, I'm going to tell you a story, but you cannot tell my wife because she's not in here, all right? All right. So this is our secret, amen? Yes. Two people. I see exactly how that's working now. I see how this is going. We're on our honeymoon. We're on our honeymoon. We're on our way to Myrtle Beach, right? And, uh, and this is, we didn't have any GPS, anything like that. Now, now some of you are like, what? some of the younger ones, they're not up here anymore. But they'd be like, what? No GPS? What is life like without GPS? Well, I, you know, and I'm still going to sound spoiled when I say this. I realize that. But we had the turn-by-turn -turn map quest directions that you print off, you know. The, you might remember those before technology was mounted on your dashboard. And some of y'all are like, hmm, I didn't even have that. I had a map, and that was it. And some of y'all are like, what's a map? You know, so we had those turn-by-turns, and so it would sell us, you know, take a left on Main Street, go a certain amount of miles, and then take a left on this street. So we're going to Myrtle Beach. We'd never been there before. We're traveling down, and, and uh, Charity's navigating, and I'm driving, right? And so we're driving down the road, and, and we're driving, and, and she says, all right, th this, this says here on here that you're going to go just about 0.5 more miles uh, and then, and then you're going to turn on, and I forget what the highway was called, but you know, you're going to turn on like 672. And I was like, okay, am I taking a left or a right? And there was this pause. There was this really awkward pause. And so I felt like I needed to repeat myself. Am I going to take a left or a right? And she said, no kidding, that way. 
And I said, wait a minute. We need to talk here. We just got married. I feel like I should have known if you didn't know your left from your right when we got married. And she, what it was was she was embarrassed to do this number right here. That's it. That's it. Because that's how she learned, you know, in kindergarten to do left and right. And so it stuck. And then, you know what, church, I got very guilty. I started feeling very guilty about myself. And I thought, you know what? I just realized that anytime I think about my left and my right, I do the same thing only in my head. I'm, now, oh, now we're seeing smiles and shaking. If I say, which hand is my left hand, some of you will automatically in your head say, okay, which one's left, which one's right. The left makes the L, by the way, church. The right does not. You get that? So, oh, now somebody, y'all are with me now. So I, I, that's our secret, right? I don't believe a single word of it this morning, church. Yeah. Yeah, you think about it. The truth is that as Christians, when we are early in our faith as Christians, one of the first things we need to do is admit that we're a sinner. Now, we had to do that to get saved. Amen? You have to admit that you're a sinner. But church, you also have to continue to confess that you are a sinner even after you're saved. How many of you got saved and stopped sinning? Nobody. Okay, good. I was afraid that I'd be the only one in here that continued to sin. Church, we continue to sin. Does that mean, by the way, Paul speaks on this, does that mean that even though we're saved, we can continue to sin because we have grace? Paul says, God forbid. God forbid it. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid it, he says. Church, when you're saved, it just means now you are aware of how filthy you are. How filthy you are. And just because you're saved does not mean that your confession of sin stops. Say, Pastor Matt, all this sounds very simple. I understand all this. I don't, I don't think all of us do, church. I think that we fall into periods where we forget we've got to continue to confess our sin. The reason that I felt like God, after, after I sat down and looked at this message and said, I'm going to spend my entire sermon talking about Christian kindergartners, I got some people that have been saved 40 years in here. You know what God showed me? Matt, you've been saved for a while now, but look at this. You still fail at some of these areas. Church, how many of us are failing at being continual and confessing our sins to the Lord? Just think on that for a minute. Because I know that we get kind of caught up in the minutia of life. I know that things are busy. I know that we get caught up in work and, and family and friends and things like that. Yet we continue to sin. Are we going daily to the Lord asking forgiveness for our sins? Or are we taking our sins and just kind of pile them in a closet over here of forgiveness and saying he'll take care of all that. I don't have to talk about it. Church, we have to remind ourselves we are not perfect. Because if we don't remind ourselves by naming our sins, you know what's going to happen? Satan, the enemy. Do you know what his favorite sin is, I think? It's his own sin. Does anybody remember what sin that was? Pride. You think Satan doesn't know how to work your pride? He knows how to work your pride. If he can get you thinking that you're just fine right where you're at, church, you don't think he would do that to you? If he can think, get you thinking that you're fine right where you're at, there's no need to move. And if there's no need to spiritually move, there's need to spiritually stay still. And if you spiritually stay still, you spiritually die. Do you hear me this morning? I don't want to spiritually die. I don't. That's why I'm sharing this with you. 
because this is something I was convicted of. I don't want to spiritually stay still. Now you say, Pastor Matt, that's all well and good. I get it. I'm looking at you. I understand that. But church, church, every single week, every single week, we have an opportunity where I say, listen, if you're struggling, God's convicted, you raise your hand. And lots of people raise their hands. And I say, all right, I'm going to trust that you're going to take care of this and get it right. And I wonder how many people actually take action. Let's be real with the Savior. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands right now. I wonder how many of you have unconfessed sin today. Today. Unconfessed sin. That's just living, just sitting there. That has not been named. Has not been named. How many of us would have unconfessed sin? Did you know the first of every month we do something very special with that table? What is it called? Communion. We do communion. We celebrate the Lord's table, the Lord's supper. And if you're paying attention, which I hope you are, before communion I say, listen, the Bible tells us we're not supposed to have unconfessed sin when we partake in communion. Is that right? That's right. We're supposed to examine our hearts, judge ourselves, lest we be judged. Right? That's what we're supposed to be doing. Church. We're not supposed to partake in communion if we have unconfessed sin before the Lord. Did you know that? We really need to take this examining thing seriously. We really need to. 1 John 1, 9 tells us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to what? Forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many people are so thankful for the cleansing of Jesus Christ? Yeah, amen. Amen. So thankful for the cleansing of Jesus Christ. We are unrighteous creatures. By definition, we need cleansing into righteousness. Do you understand that? That is very simple. I realize that. But church, I, don't, I think we get it here, but I think we miss it here. I think we miss it on the inside. I think we get it up here. But that's the truth. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. It's amazing to me that those two words can be in the same sentence. Faithful and just. That he'll forgive us. Oh, that's so good. Admitting you're a sinner, learning what your sins are. Church, that should never stop. If you're in, how many of you would like a greater education of what Jesus Christ wants in your life? I desire that. Would you pray about those sins? But Pastor Matt, I haven't even committed them. Shouldn't you pray hoping that you don't commit them? Shouldn't we be taking a little offense in order to have this little defense? Amen? My goodness, shouldn't we be praying that we would escape temptation? Amen? Is that not what the Bible promises us in 1 Corinthians? That, if, that God will provide a way to escape Church, some of us wait until it's too late, I think. Some of us wait until the last minute and we say, God, where's the emergency exit at? I need out of this. Fix me. Save me. Let's be praying in advance, church. The next thing I want you to see, what else do you learn in kindergarten? To know your address. Everybody know their address in here? Amen. Good. I was thinking about this. I was trying to think about it. I was like, do I know my address? Yeah, I know my address. You know what I was thinking about, though? In kindergarten, you also learn your phone number. You also learn your phone number. So that if you ever needed to call your parents, you could call them. Amen? You, you, if you're away or you get lost or something, you could call them. You know, I was thinking, this is the technology world we live in. I have to really sit and think about what my parents' phone number is. In fact, I know my mom's cell phone number. I cannot tell you my dad's cell phone number right now. I can tell you that it is dad's cell listed in my phone. That's what you need to go do. Find it and push dad's cell. But church, that's the world we live in now. But in kindergarten, that's what you do. You learn the phone number, right? How does that convert over here? Confessing to the Savior. Learning your phone number, knowing your father, confessing, confessing to the Savior. Look at verse 20 again. Look at verse 20. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Whom say ye that I am? I don't care what other people say. Who do you say I am? Peter answering said, The Christ of 
God. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 15 here, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. Is that not a great promise? That if you confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in you, and you abide in God. We live in a time when confessing the Savior is a joke. Is a joke. You're a Christian? Like, really? Like, you go to church? Really? We live in a time. Think we face persecution in America? Church, do you think Christians face persecution in America? Yes! I don't think we face persecution the same way that other countries face persecution, other Christians in other countries. In other countries, you could walk out this door and be arrested as you leave, taken to jail. Now, we don't face that, do we? Hopefully, there's no one waiting for you after church on the outside of those doors. But church, we are ridiculed. We are picked upon. You know, I, th- I thought it was funny. A-, a few years ago, you might recall that there was a big blow-up about anyone animating the image of the prophet Muhammad. You recall that? There were some big things in the news there. That some, 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 some cartoons and things like that, they were going to animate pictures of Muhammad. And there were a lot of Muslims uh, that were extreme Muslims that were saying, well, if you do this, we are going to retaliate if you, if you besmirch the image of our prophet Muhammad. And so what happened? They didn't do it. They, out of fear, did not do it, or out of political correctness or whatever. Do you know how many times I have seen the image of Jesus Christ mocked? Is there any fear? Is there any respect? No, no. Say, Matt, you're just being too sensitive. Church, I'm just showing you the difference. We are a joke. But that's okay, because I'm God's joke, amen? That's all right, that's all right. I'm not a joke to God, I'm, I'm with him. Church, why do I tell you this this morning? Because I think that it's very easy for us to come into this building and confess the Savior. If I were to say, do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins? You would say, amen. Amen. Can I come to your work and say that? Wouldn't it be funny if I just came to y'all's workplaces and just came in the front door and said, hey, good to see you. Brother Jay, good to see you. Uh, Jesus died for you. And he'd look at me like, maybe you shouldn't be here, Pastor Matt. Would you be able to say amen in your workplaces if I came in to say that? Would people look at you strangely? Do they already know that you're a Christian? If they already know you're a Christian, and if you're not ashamed of it, chances are they already think you're a weirdo, all right? Chances are. If I came to your family reunion and said, hey, everybody, how y'all doing? I'm Pastor Matt. I know this person right here. They believe in Jesus, amen. Would you be able to say Amen. Or would you be like, oh, Jesus, I wish he would leave. <laughs> have a hot dog, Pastor Matt. Get out of here. What was that? <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's exactly right, actually, sadly. What about your friendship circles? What about on a Saturday night? Can I come hang out with you and your buddies? Can I talk about Jesus in that circle? Would I be the lone weirdo in that circle? Or would I have company? Church, I'm not... I'm not trying to be hellfire brimstone, stepping on your toes type thing. I'm just sharing with you what I've already been convicted of. That's it. That's all. Confessing Christ in every circle that you call yourself a part of. Actively confessing Christ. Not it comes up randomly once or twice a year in conversation. Yeah, I have to go to church for this carnival thing. (laughs) 
Not that, church. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when somebody is hurting in your circle and they say, what am I supposed to do? And you say, well, I'll tell you what I did. I trusted in a Savior during this time. Or someone says, well, how do I get through this? You say, I'll tell you what I did. I'm not saying that you need to go up to them with your big, giant leather KJV and slap them across the head with it and say, it's God. I'm not saying do that. I'm saying share your experience in the Savior. That's what people are looking for. Modern day stories of hope. And you have them. Because Jesus is still actively working. The book is not closed, church. God did not stop when the writing stopped. Do you hear me? He's still working. Is he working in your life? Or is he just something you put up on a shelf? Is he something you pull out as a nice accessory once or twice a week, once or twice a month, once or twice a year? The Bible tells us whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he and he. Oh boy. The last thing I want you to see this morning, we learn in kindergarten, is to interact with our peers. Interact with our peers. That's important in kindergarten, isn't it? Interact with our peers. How do we, can, how do we switch that over to Christianity? Loving others. Church, how many of you would say it's important that from the very beginning as Christians that we would confess Jesus Christ? Yes? How many of you would say that from the very beginning, from it's important to him to love others, to actively love others? The Bible tells us. 1 John, this is so, such a popular verse, 4, 7, 8, beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and, who, and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God. Because why? God is love. Is that true? You better believe it's true, church. God is love. God is love. This is something that Christian high schoolers are still struggling with. To love others. To love others. We're still struggling with it. It is important to instill the importance of loving others in the earliest of Christian maturity. The earliest. It sets the tone for Christian living. It sets the tone. It's this basic foundation to build upon. Let me ask you a question. If, you're in, if, if, if you have a child in kindergarten or a grandchild in kindergarten, and one day at kindergarten, they decide to punch their classmate right in the face. Punch them right in the face. And they come home, and, and, and they have a note from the teacher, and, and it says, well, you know, uh, little John, he, he punched Sally today right in her face. Are you going to say, well, I guess that's just another day at school? Is that the kind of parents and grandparents we should be? No. What would you do? Well, well the first thing you do is you, you, you take them aside and you say, um, so I got this letter. I got this letter that says that you punched Sally square in the face today at school. Why would you do that? Right? You'd want to know. What, what happened? Why'd you do it? What happened there? And they would give you an explanation like, she kissed me on the cheek. Because <laughs> in kindergarten, that is a punchable offense. I got to tell you right now. That will get you hit. Well, and so then what do you do? You explain, right? Is, there's some correction there, yes? There is some explanation there. There is some training. There is some guiding. Why do we do that? Why do we not just leave it alone and see what happens? Because we know what's going to happen, don't we? What's going to happen the next time that little John gets kissed on the cheek? They're going to punch the next kid in the face. He is quickly going to become unpopular with the ladies. I can tell you that right now. 
later in life, if you never correct it, will he believe that hitting a woman is an appropriate expression of anything? Yes, he will, because he was never taught any differently. So because John, big John now, is beating on his wife, because back in the day he didn't get smacked for hitting people in the face. Church, we're no different as Christians. If we don't start early to show people that it's okay to love one another, in fact, we need to love one another, then we're going to grow into some very bitter, nasty, old Christians who don't love anybody. Who don't love anybody. So quiet. So quiet in this auditorium. Some of y'all know Christians like that. Some of you have left churches who had Christians like that. Church, we got to start with love. Let's lead off with love. Do we need to correct? Yeah, correct in love. Is that not how I'm supposed to treat my children? Amen? Would you not consider me a godly father if I correct my children in love? Now, what if I just correct my children because I like beating on them? That's not a godly father thing to do, is it? I don't even know why that's funny. Some of y'all laughed at that. Yeah, that's not the impression I give, is it? Church. Church. This one idea could change the whole world. Can you imagine if every Christian reached out in love? Reached out in love. How would the world look differently? There are going to be future problems if we don't correct them now. It's the same with Christians who beat on each other right now. Are you admitting your sin constantly and actively? Are you confessing Christ constantly and actively? And are you instilling love in others constantly and actively? Would you bow your head and close your eyes this morning? No one looking around.